Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> you can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond to dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning. In this season, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. I put it in the chat, um, Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. I've been thinking a lot about gathering, about getting together, congregating, and what it means for my soul, for the souls of our children, and for the soul of our nation. I'm a teacher and I love gathering around a text or a set of ideas or a problem and just hashing it out with folks. I love to sit with other people and hear their stories. I'm a parent and I love to be with family. I'm a person of faith and I need to gather with others to keep that faith alive. But under COVID, gathering has been challenging. I haven't taught in person in nine months. I haven't been with family and friends. I haven't been congregating with other people of faith in the same way. It has made me appreciate more profoundly the opportunities to sit in proximity with my people. I've also been grateful for the technologies that have allowed us to meet even when we can't be together. I'm grateful for FaceTime and Zoom and my iPhone. Before this season, I really didn't like technology. But I'm ever mindful of the importance of gathering during its absence. And then in the last two weeks, I have been particularly reminded of the power of gathering. We have seen the destructive power of a mob gathering on our capital. And for me, I was reminded of the positive power of gathering, both in person and virtually at the, at the inaugura inauguration where President Biden called us to our better angels. Biden quoted St. Augustine to say that we are defined as a people by our shared loves. Gatherings are powerful. They can bring life or death. I found myself in tears participating from my couch in the inauguration, and I often find myself in tears when I participate in worship here at West Hills. Sometimes I need to be reminded of what I love or what I want to love. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the power and possibilities of gathering as a people of faith and to inquire with you about what our purposes are and might be as we seek to channel the power of meeting together for worship. I do love that Quakers call their churches meeting houses. This is where we meet, where we gather. And I would note that this impulse to meet is at the heart of religious life, and it is a fundamental part of human experience and social life together. As long as we have been humans, we have gathered in circles around fires, around tables, around altars, not merely to eat or to make plans or to solve problems or to resolve conflict, but to experience the divine. 
to call forth our ancestors, the spirits, our gods. In the elementary forms of religious life, the founder of sociology and the son and grandson of a rabbi, Emil Durkheim studied the religious life of the indigenous peoples of Australia and the Americas. And what he found was that their regular meetings, their festive gatherings inculcated in them the very idea of the sacred, of the holy. When they got together, they danced and they sang and they suspended their normal activities and they fell into trances, had dreams and visions of another world. This for Durkheim was the foundation of religion. These meetings gave the sacred shape, contour, character, gave it a name. For Durkheim, it was the meetings at the totem pole that separated time into its sacred and profane dimensions. It was, a meet, it was the meetings around the water hole or special tree or sacred rock to dance and sing that created the sense of sacred space. And for Durkheim, like Augustine, it was the focus on the things we love that made the place, time and objects holy and sacred, not the things themselves. The tree, the rock, these were symbols of a shared love. And this is as true for us today as it was for the indigenous groups going back thousands of years. There is nothing inherently sacred about 10 a.m. on Sundays. Nothing sacred about December 25th or the temple wall in Jerusalem or Mecca. Our gathering around the things we love creates the sense of sacred. Human beings have loved <clears throat> different things in different ways at different times. We don't worship our ancestors or the spirits or Zeus anymore. Our understandings of God, the most high and most holy have changed over time and across our lives and they continue to shift but we continue to gather and to be made aware in our gathering of the sacred dimensions of our lives. Durkheim insisted that the way we gather, the things we gather around, these shape our sense of the sacred, but it is our, but it is our shared loves that are at the root of that sacred. And I will say that Durkheim was very interested in the symbols of our sacred commitments. He called these our flags or our totems. And I was reminded of him as I saw people marching on the Capitol holding Confederate flags or wearing t-shirts that said Camp Auschwitz or dressed in tactical gear with badges saying Proud Boys. These were symbols of sacredness. I was reminded also of the power of symbols when the American flag was used to beat police officers and destroy news cameras. <clears throat> I was moved on the news by the talk of the Capitol as a temple, as a sacred space and felt the shock of sacrilege and not merely criminality when I saw it being overrun. I was made aware in my own body by my emotion that I held that space sacred in its own way. It wasn't just a building in DC. It was a symbol of our democracy. The violation of the Capitol made re me reflect on what it is that I loved about it, what it was that I held sacred. And these were not just ideas, but commitments justice for all, inclusion, compassion, welcome. If the violation of that space reminded me of what I hold sacred, so too did the poetry of Amanda Gorman on Inauguration Day and the presence of Justice Sonia Sotomayor and Vice President Kamala Harris at her swearing in. Again, it was not merely a political exercise. 
I felt it was a sacred event, witnessing the presence of love and the possibility of justice among us. But what is one person's spiritual congregation is another person's violent mob. On January 6th, many inside the Capitol, and especially people of color, feared for their very lives. On the other side, there were white patriots who saw their actions not as violence, but as sacrifice. The call for the executions of Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi had the ring of ritual sacrifice and not simply murderous rage. So what is it that we gather for? It is a profoundly important question. Augustine described sin as disordered love, or as the poet William Stafford wrote, following the wrong God home, we will miss our star. What it is that we hold sacred matters and every sacred thing is not necessarily a good thing. In fact, nothing is more dangerous than an evil sacred commitment. Racism is not a crime, it's a religious sentiment, a misplaced love in Augustine's terms. Homophobia, homophobia is not merely a bad idea, it is the worshiping of a false God. Sexism isn't a mistake, it's bad faith. So how and why we are to gather as people of faith in this moment in our history, in this moment of our history as a Quaker community and as Americans, where we are surrounded by a multitude of faiths, competing in scary sacred visions and the temptation to forego faithful gatherings at all. How are we going to go about constituting the sacred? How will we organize around our loves? And what does our tradition and our God have to say about the purposes and power of our meetings? What is it that we want to love here? And how do we want to convey those loves to one another and to those in the world? Or to put it in theological terms, what God are we going to conjure here at West Hills when we meet each week? What is church or a Quaker meeting house if not an exercise in conjuring the sacred? If not a chance to strengthen our faith and the bonds of love that are often too tenuous in our world? Who will care for the poor if not the followers of Jesus? Who will sit with the grieving if not a Quaker? Who will stand with the outcast if not those who seek to follow Jesus? And who will strengthen, if, who will strengthen us in our loves if not one another? I, need, I know I need others to strengthen me, to light the sacred fire in me, to both show me how and why. I don't always wanna to come to church, but I do know that I don't want to live a profane life, a life devoid of the sacred, a life not centered around kindness, love, and, and hope. I don't want to sit in silence all the time, but I know that it takes intention to let the spirit speak. I know too that this place is one of the places I get reminded of the sacred regularly. 10 a.m. on Sunday is one of my sacred times and Zoom has become one of my sacred places. And I'm grateful for both. Durkheim argues that humans don't live in sacred time all the time. Much of our lives are mundane, but a rich communal life gives each of our, even our profane hours an aura of the sacred, leaving us never far from the shining light that can brighten even our darkest times. Church has its own mundanity. There's a lot of meetings, it's got budgets, it's got lawns to cut. 
It's got other people to interact with. It's costly and it can be boring, but it's also humankind's enduring mechanism for producing and attending to the sacred in our lives, which I suppose is another way to say when two or three are gathered, <clears throat> a God will be among us. May it be a God that brings us to a bright, bright, shiny day. Amen. And to invite us into open worship, Graham and I have offered a few queries that you may want to sit with. I'll read those to you now and post them in the chat as well. How has gathering in our community and beyond contributed to your journey and work in the world? Secondly, in this moment of change, what is your heart longing for? What is the world needing? And lastly, in this moment of change, what is West Hills Friends particular contribution that we can uniquely offer? <clears throat> 